Hello, everyone. Welcome to Alles Blau, episode 11. My name is Caroline Paula, and this is my podcast. With me today is Daniela Palimariu, the third resident artist at Esther Epstein's Messer Salon Embassy Zurich North in Oerlikon. When she's not an artist in residence, Daniela is based in Bucharest, Romania. But as we're going to learn later in the talk, she's originally from Yash in the northeast of Romania, bordering Moldova. So Yash is the city where it all began for Daniela. And this is also the starting point of her talk. So let's jump right into episode 11 of Alles Blau podcast with Daniela Palimariu. Enjoy. So you were born in 1986? Yes. And your parents, I mean, I'm just assuming because I don't know yes. anything about your family background, and I would love it if you're open to talk about it, but just mm -hmm. like doing the math, your parents were about your age now, mm -hmm. when they had to adjust to the transition from the socialist regime to the republic that Romania is now. Yes. So how has that informed your childhood? Well, um, obviously I don't remember anything from, from before the revolution. I was only three. And I just know the 90s was also a really dark time. <laughs> so I think they, for them it was, it, obviously it was great and liberating. First that they, that they had access to records. I know my father was really fond of music and, you know, and he, he could have uh, all the records and all the books. And for them, that was the, the most important part. And it's, it wasn't the lack of food and electricity and all that, but the information and the access to information. So f I think for them, it was a big, a big breakthrough. But still the 90s, which I remember as my childhood, was a crazy, dark, dark time. And, so, do you have any um, brothers and sisters? I have an older sister, uh, three years older, so maybe she remembers a bit more. Uh, but we are almost kind of the same uh, generation, and um, I obviously I didn't really understand that, that now there is something different than before. So, really, I just kind of went with the uh, went with it, and I always thought hoped it's gonna be better for me when I am older and when I have children but um, it was always even if it was all this dark uh, dark times and here I mean more about uh, money and you know these material things um, my parents because they are teachers and they went to university for psych uh, philosophy and psychology and they always uh, encouraged us to develop this side of our like humanistic um, abilities and we always went to the theater as much as we could philharmonics and with my mother to concerts and to we always tried to I mean they always tried to you know, with the little resources that they, to they had to, to expose us, yes. And I remember I was going with my mother to the Contemporary Dance Festival, even in the 90s that was starting then, and I was maybe 10 or, or at most, and obviously I wanted to be a dancer, a contemporary dancer for a long time. Before I thought, that or after you've seen that? 
after and and when because it was every year so it was our thing you know and we were doing that and I was so decided to to do it and to go to dance school for high school and then they convinced me actually not to and I thought I'll, I'll be a ballerina or you know start at least start from ballet and see afterwards and they convinced me that it's a it's not the way for me because I have to develop my my brain also and if you're a dancer you you can't do that also or there was something about that and okay so I, I didn't become a dancer did you train as a dancer no no mm -hmm. so I never got to that that mm -hmm. point and I grew and then but it was always something you know to expression to to this and and then with my mother we were doing these little games every week um, to make a little arrangement in the on there was a place in the living room where we would make a little a arrangement which maybe we would call now an installation but really smaller you know with objects that we would find around and give a title and so she didn't have arts training but she had this intuition about it and she had an intuition about me specifically that I would be able to uh, you know express myself and and yeah we were writing poems since you know since I was in primary school I was writing these you know childish and naive but poems so I was always doing something to to express I I didn't know what but I knew there has to be something profound to so, say so when you finished school it wasn't it wasn't diff it was kind of obvious for for you that you wanted to go to the field of the arts Yes, but I had no idea that there is such a thing as a profession of artist. I, I knew you can be an illustrator or a designer or something as applied. applied art. Exactly. I knew about the applied arts. So because we only knew about that, uh, we knew somebody who was in the design department. And uh, before my last year of uh, high school, we decided to prepare for the exam and go into the design. And design at first uh, is for everything, and then you choose if it's graphic or object or something else. And we said, okay, let's do this effort for one year to learn how to draw. And my, I know my father paid so much to have every week these uh, six-hour private lessons to, to start from zero and to learn how to make uh, an industrial design drawing sketch and, and to understand shapes and volumes and all that. So I got, and I got, uh, maybe I think the, I was the second one on the, on the list of the entries to enter in the design department. So it was like... A, success for everybody and a great moment but then I wanted to say that after all this great triumph uh, university started in the in autumn and it was nothing like I hoped for it was a complete disappointment and uh, nothing was happening really it wasn't organized it, the, my colleagues weren't motivated to do things they just wanted to everybody went for coffee every day after one or two hours and it was just this mess I can't even describe it because I tried to forget this year. So the first year was just dramatic because I was I worked so hard to get there and then nothing was happening. Everyone was blasé. So no teachers, no inspiration, no no, no inspirational yes. figures. And I had no idea where to we I needed some guidance of course. Yeah. 
And But then I discovered there is this thing called the photography department, which was obviously the closest one to contemporary art. And then I understood uh, that you can be just artist and it doesn't have to be applied to something. But there was this biennial of contemporary art in Yash, Peripheric, and it was the first one in, in Romania. And uh, then I started to be a bit, you know, slowly to get a bit into the into this area. So who art. organized something like a biennial? Was that other artists or was it the state? Or It was a, an, an artist who was also the main teacher in the photography department. He actually made the photography department be uh, independent, Matei Bejenaru. He's an important figure in Romania and especially for Yash. And he, with his friends, when they were in their 30s, they saw that some things like this were happening in other countries and they started with a performance festival every year. And then it became an art biennial. And they did it for, I think, more than 10 years. And did it so, attract people from all over the country, yes. or was it mainly for Yash? No, actually, it attracted people from other countries. That was the from you know foreigners. Also, it was an international. And it was an international, and then it grew. Of course, every edition they got curators from, uh, you know, some international curators to bring, and then of course they got some money from the city. But it was always quite limited. But I think for the people in Yash, um, maybe it wasn't so. Uh, so important or so visible. They, you, maybe it was too early for for so it to happen there. So, do you remember any photographers that kind of stuck stuck in your mind or works that were particularly attractive to you? Um, I remember when I was in those few years in the photography department, I I had this this crush on uh, the portraits of Rineke Dijkstra. I still don't know how to say it. And I think it's Dijkstra. Dijk, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I discovered Wolfgang Tillmans. And uh, I was so... You know, I just couldn't tell what it is about this photo, with these photos of daily life and clothes on the floor that is so special and so so great. So that was the my my direction also to take photos of common things and to discover what is happening in this domestic sphere and just in my apartment and with food. And then there was this attraction to food and everything. Yeah, got got mixed, but this so this was one year in the photography department, and then because every year in college was really different, and in the third year I got a scholarship to go to the U.S. in in Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> in a city was called that a, a scholarship you were suggested to, or did you apply for it? I applied mm -hmm. for it, and I couldn't believe I got it because mm -hmm. this was this amazing thing. You had a year there, you had everything paid, of course. Anyway, amazing. Uh, you know, I was 21, 22. So one year in Eau Claire in the photography department. Uh, and that was a big, big step. So I made a lot of um, so progress So Eau Claire, there. is that also a university city? Is it? Well, it's a small city and they have the university. It's University yes. of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. Yeah. And it's so small, but they have a big campus and they had... So it was one of these general universities, not for art. But they had a good art department. It was really def definitory. Def uh, you know, really helped me make a lot of progress and understand that art can be in so many ways. Because in Yash, as, as important as this uh, art from Peripheric, from the Biennial was, it was a certain kind of... It was concept 
conceptual and with the social and political implications. And I wasn't really attracted to that. Uh, I, I tried to be, but I always knew there's something that I'm not, it's, it's not for me or I, I don't have it in me you know it's I, I like colors <laughs> and when I was in in Wisconsin I realized you can do other types of things too a lot more personal and a lot more you know don't, you don't have to have big statements and change the world immediately um, so it even if it was just one year it was amazing I I I could work in the dark room for a semester. There was nobody else working there, so it, I could use all this equipment and all this space. I thought this um, is amazing because at home, of course, we always had to fight for the. It was you know much less resources and more people to share them, and um, yeah. Anyway, the whole experience. I was in America. We went to New York in the spring break to visit all the museums and the galleries there we went I went to San Francisco it was just obviously you know you're 21 like big discovery excellent it was amazing and did you live on campus and I guess yes um, it was really the American experience I think because it was a campus and the people there looked like you would see them in a movie in campus and the houses and the mailboxes looked like and the lawns it looked like in a movie so midwest maybe it's the best place to start in america because it's really what they also call you know the true um you know basic america not east coast or west coast yeah and i had a few really important the teachers there and i i got so close to them in just one year you know and uh, i was also maybe a bit uh, different than the others just because I was from from outside and from Europe and um, it it really this is the idea that it opened up the possibilities so when I came back and then I came back for another year in Yash I had to finish the diploma of course my former colleagues had already graduated and it was a new group and they were so unmotivated they were so they were missing classes. It was again the same kind of atmosphere, you no. Know? And I was coming back from that heaven of, for me it was a heaven because everybody wanted to work, everybody wanted to do things, and and that was my my style, you know. I, I really I love working, <laughs> I love being in in the thing there. But this time, I had the experience to concentrate on my own work and to not be affected so much by by this. So and I brought all these uh, new ideas with me and already you know people started to see that there's a bit something maybe maybe something a bit different than in the way I do things you know I I was playing with haribo bears and and doing animations with gummy things and all these colors and yeah that was an interesting year also and I finished the the diploma with images from domestic it, we, we, it was just called domestic and just images from from houses of people photographs photographs yes. of uh, you know personal corners yes yeah i think living as a person with a strong drive mm -hmm. is is obviously a big asset mm -hmm. but it also sets you apart and how do you deal with this or how do you manage these were the the most difficult times in uh, 
in my life when uh, I wanted to do things and I wasn't still able yet to do them on my own and I needed a, a group, an, an entourage, more than an entourage, a team. And this is what I have now. So this is really now the best the best time uh, and it oh, took so long and <laughs> so much work to do but um now I have I have this team and they they also want to do things <laughs> and uh, um so your allies my my allies yeah so we were part we were you know we're building something together and they are not afraid to work you know as as long as it takes and Nobody takes a break or for so much time we had no weekend and but I think this is common actually for all the artists but and also when I started salon video with my with my friend in in, in Bucharest we discovered that we can do this and it this feeling that I had when when I was building something and didn't care you know if I had no more energy or if I you know, I wasn't tired at all. It, it can't, I can't compare it to anything. So when I read on your CV about Salon Video, I was wondering, was it also an online platform or was it a wandering exhibition platform or what yeah. type of platform was it? Um, I, as I thought, as I, I planned it from the beginning, um, Every time it was an, an exhibition in uh, in a in a space, so not online, that you could visit in a different in a different art space that uh, I, that were partners in in this. So, but first I did it for two days, and then I realized it's so stupid. You work so much to install these things, and it works for two days. <laughs> no way. And then you know, with every edition, I call them editions. With every edition, it grew. Uh, more. Did you feel that video art was particularly underrepresented in Bucharest? Yes, yes. That that is another thing and another um, motivation, and it was also coinciding with the uh, time when I stopped making videos myself, video art myself, on like so on a personal level. I, I took a break from it, but I wanted to show what others are doing. So that was working great because um, I wasn't thinking of my own work. I think I was more objective and I always collaborated with uh, another curator or another uh, somebody else also. So I wasn't, I was more the organizer in the end. And um, we, I was thinking also it would be great to become also an online archive and to to develop and to be like a really relevant platform that you would go to find uh, if you want to find out about Romanian video art you go there yeah to create like a digital archive yes and it would and and to become very relevant but at some point something also um, kind of let's say finished in my motivation with it and also one of my most important collaborators started to do some other things and so at some point where we reach we reached the point and then it didn't and then I found some other things some other interests also but I would uh, who knows maybe I will continue it at some point but it has to be the right collaborator, the right team. And I can't do things now just on my own, maybe like so big. I don't want to do them anymore like this. I want to find the right person or uh, persons 
to to build something with. And if it's not the right time now, it's okay. It will be. Was Salon Video, was that after your diploma in Yash or was it after the ma- the master's? After the master's, so when I came back talk, to Bucharest. Let's, let's regress. Okay. So you made your diploma in Yash. And then I, of course, I applied to the best uh, art <laughs> programs, the, the RCA, you know, the Royal College in London, the Goldsmiths in London, something else in London. <laughs> and um, I only sent it to the best ones and they didn't take me because yeah, I wasn't in the right moment for that. But your English was really good. Yeah, already. but... For them, you know. It's yeah, it's not all about that. But, I mean, it's <laughs> they needed. Def- it's a plus. Yes, that was always a good thing, and of course, my year in America was helpful. So I said I was already a bit more mature, so so to not freak out if I didn't have a plan for that year. And I said, okay, I'll just be one year to develop a few more works to have a stronger portfolio. And I found some job in an organization there, but I was living with my parents. There was nothing tragic about being at home for one year, you know, not going directly to the master's just so that I can say... I'm doing a master's. Yeah. I had no intention to do one in my city or anywhere else in Romania. I knew I, I want to, to be out and make this big step. So you're cool. So I was cool, exactly. <laughs> I was cool about it. And I had, uh, actually, I had a photography exhibition through some program there. And I was so happy about it uh, that year. And um, And then I applied again. That year again to all the places in London, <laughs> but this time I also applied to um, a place in Falmouth where I actually went because they accepted me. <laughs> How and did you find out about them? Because they used to have uh, an exchange program with our university. And there was another program that accepted me in Netherlands. I already forgot, but and I had to choose, and I went to this one because it was more uh, directed. It was you had uh, I, I needed some teachers and some meetings and a program and a schedule and something like this, more when, like school. Yeah, and when you started your masters, did you already kind of go into it with a plan, or did you start out and develop something new on the spot? Well. I went there with a very clear plan. I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the whole year because I was finally in the place where I wanted to. And, of course, I did something else in the end. And it, <laughs> and I developed on the spot something I would have never thought. So I went with this plan to do photography and video. And this was my big, big, big love, big plan. Uh, they had a darkroom for color photography, So I spent the first semester there doing this experiment with the chemicals and uh, I was amazed. And then I, I started taking photos of food and or people eating food or I don't know, all this about food. But it was kind of going nowhere <laughs> because I also realized I'm not such a good photographer. <laughs> um, I just, or I maybe I am now. Um, and I started to organize events where people would eat not just to document something that already existed. And when I had this first superstition lunch party with the, every 
all the food was color-coded. There was a list of superstitions that you had to take care of when you were eating, all this game. Like for, what? Like if you drop salt on the table, there's a problem. I forgot which one. And then I made some up and some were good. So if you're if the last drop of the wine is, is in your glass or you get the last one, then you get the the attention from your opposing oh that's attracting. spooky uh well, well maybe you want the attention or you know all these things and people were laughing and uh, it was a link to to connect them and it was for 12 people so how did you come up with the idea just because i mean yeah. you were saying that your food photography didn't go anywhere or yes and then i mean but then there's still a step Yes, there was a step and I think it helped a lot that we had discussions there and with 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 groups. It's even possible that somebody suggested something like this and I just made it made it uh, together and and made it happen like this. And I think yeah, I think some of the teachers had an important role here to to give me the right references and to And to realize that an event like this could be also a work of art and a very important one, and then everything, and then I, I, it's like exploded. And I really loved arranging this table and making some like a weird uh, design. Some things you could eat, some things not. It was only white, red, and green. And then there was also some white, red, and green on the on the wall behind them but it wasn't really clear what the connection it was maybe it was like a leg like a explanation but I, I started to discover this ambiguity that I am keeping also now that you can leave people wondering and um, not explain things not make them very clear or make them uh, contradicting maybe and um be playful and and be playful definitely and a lot more a lot more playful and a lot more alive and people had a really good time there and we had some great photos <laughs> um, and then and then again you know young mind I thought okay this is it you know I'm gonna do this kind of things so I was also again trying to find something that I can put my hands on and say this is mine this is my thing now I'm doing dinners I'm doing breakfast I'm doing food stuff did you research other artists who worked with like, um, like dinner um, settings yes I had a, a whole a whole thing of them and the the, the implications of food and what it means and uh, um You know, I thought also this is this is a thing for for a long time, and um, I, I again I got stuck. <laughs> again, I got kind of stuck in this. Uh, I don't remember where, but and then I I started also to to build the space in which people were eating. So I said, okay, we can sit at a table on chairs, but. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe I can build something that looks like a kind of a boat, and people sit on the floor and they just lean their their backs on it, and the food is between them on the floor basically, and they have to share from one space to another. This was called a dinner in the love boat for ten people. 
And then I, I realized again that, okay, people are eating, they have a connection with each other, they know each other, it's good, but it's not enough. I don't feel satisfied with this. I have the photos afterwards, but I don't want to take photos of people eating. I want to leave them alone to, to enjoy it. But then at the end, I don't have anything... No documents. No documents and, and nothing to, to, to say, this is what I did, this is my... and to feel good about it. Okay, so then I had to expand a bit more and really the, the last project was the call to the platform and it wasn't necessarily to be there to eat but you could also do that but you could also sleep, you could also uh, read so it was really a platform that was elevated kind of 40 centimeters from the ground quite large, maybe 5 meters by 8 so you could walk on it um, and it had some holes with some very specific uh, geometric shapes in them, holes that were going, you know, down, on, on, laying on the ground. So you had this cavity of 40 centimeters uh, high where you could lay down and feel surrounded by this wood, um, this wood material. So it was really a big step again to discover that I, I'm so, not a designer. Um, so but you're... You step into the hole and you lay on the floor and then you just you get air through. Yes, the, the hole. but the 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 floor is also the same material as as the platform. The, yes, the MDF. It was MDF, so it had all the same color. So you don't go on the actual floor, but it's just at the same level as the floor. But it's like you're surrounded in three ways by this this material and it is a shape an organic shape like a cocoon shape maybe or something or a womb or something yes something mm -hmm. like this but kind of uh, con controlled so mm -hmm. it was nothing uh, too uh, random uh, one of the things I organized there was nap stations. So I put posters in the campus that you could come and take a nap at when you want. Uh, everybody was working for their diploma, so everybody was a bit tired in the afternoon, and they actually took some great naps there. There were blankets, there were things to cover your eyes and, and earplugs, and you could actually not just pretend. you it's a, It's this kind of participation but you could actually use it for a nap and people said they felt great because they felt surrounded by this and it smelled of this wood thing and uh, they enjoyed it and then I discovered this other thing that I want to do works where you can actually do the, th the thing not pretend to do the thing and I always wonder if if this works with everything I do um, and I was saying that I was a bit disappointed at the end because, you know, it wasn't so appreciated and then the program ended and everything kind of finished a bit, you know, like, mm, not not in a triumph. <laughs> it but wasn't you got a your triumph. Ma you got your master's degree. Yes, but back then, you know, I... I I thought it I, it was important for me actually for that moment to get uh, an appreciation and uh, and to you know to to be one of the like an the, honorable the best. mention something anything and nothing. So um, was there in in that British university was there any artistic tendencies that were being followed or do, do, did you think that you kind of fall out of the roster or was there what what were your peers doing? Yeah, I think I think I didn't really fit because it wasn't 
so much art, they consider it a bit outside, like you said, a bit towards design and architecture. And yeah, I mean, there, there were different things that people were doing. There was a lot of painting also, but I wouldn't say this was... There wasn't like one particular no. tendency? Okay. No, no, no. But I, I realized afterwards that they saw this as a more towards design and it didn't have enough uh, art quality because even the way it looked, it's so, you know, the edges are sharp, the shapes are really clear. And I mean, of course, this is really part of art as well. But I think there was at some point there was a, a limit to what I could explain or what could go what could be yeah uh, understood back then maybe it just didn't make sense with my other works and that's what the problem was maybe i didn't take it far enough i don't know well i mean school is also a place where to test things yes and oh obviously now i don't think of the grade anymore <laughs> and i know it was such a good work and actually I'm jumping ahead of time now, but next month I am doing a section of the platform in a group show in Bucharest, and I'm actually the, specifically the nap stations for people to nap in. So, and it's I'm changing the shapes now, but it's the same thing, and I'm glad I am not, you know, embarrassed with this work I did eight years ago. I still can come back to it yeah. and, and do it, and it's still important. Yeah, and the allies earlier on. You were speaking about how now you found allies who were mm -hmm. just as motivated as you. So that's your peers at Sandwich Gallery? Yes. So that's an true. art space outside of Bucharest that you started two years ago? Two years ago, yes. Soon it will be two years ago, but one year before we were already planning and preparing and it took a long time to... Uh, you know, prepare the space, renovate it a bit with our own resources. And um, the, uh, the thing you were talking about at the Mesa Solon Embassy, Zurich North, at the talk that you had last week, I thought it was interesting that the building actually belonged to the Artists' Union. Yes, the whole complex where we are belongs to the Artists' Union and it used to be a factory for color, pigments, uh, paints, acrylics for artists that were distributed in the whole country. So it was a huge thing. They had a pre printing um, thing also. And now I, they are still producing some things, but maybe at 10% capacity. But still on site. They just but don't use all their space they, anymore. Yes, mm -hmm. because obviously... But all these spaces are rented to whomever. Uh, there were some cars, uh, repairing shops, just anything. And we, uh, my colleagues got their studios there. And then we saw this space, which is between two storage units. And we didn't want to make a space and then found this one and decided to do it. It was the other way around. Uh, one of us actually saw it and kept thinking about it. And we, then we all had the same image in mind to call it sandwich and just see what we can do in this really weird one meter and a half narrow and eight meters long Yeah, and this corridor space. that is sandwiched. It's kind of corridor, and but it's not really, because in the back it's closed, you can't go anywhere. So it was a dead uh, residual space with garbage. 
we cleaned it up and the first work was one of our team members and we just said let's see who shows up and what what happens and actually at the the first opening there were some also some other events in the in the city and some curators or some foreign people were there and somehow they they came there to us because they were curious and actually we had a really good crowd at the at the beginning and some you know the images to show that people came and this so it's actually you know it's kind of works um and then we continued when you were in the UK did you visit art spaces like small art spaces that or where did the inspiration come from to found a in, mm. an independent art space yeah it's interesting because i i didn't really make a, a connection with the things i saw before i was when i was in the uk i was really keen on doing this video exhibitions but i had no plans to have a space on my own i thought this is too much this is way way out of And then actually Sandwich happened after I was already for four or five years in Bucharest and kept changing uh, interest and maybe groups and uh, and friends. So it, it took a long time to to get to this and it wasn't planned like this. Actually, for the first year, I was really fighting this idea a bit that I'm working in this space and I want to do my own work and how is this working it didn't really click in my mind at the beginning because you know how long it takes to organize things and I was feeling that it takes away from my own um, practice. art practice but in the same time in my own art practice a lot of times I had no idea what to do anyway so then it went back and 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 forth Now it works. Now it clicked. <laughs> 2016, you were a resident artist in Bern, in the city of Bern. And I was wondering how that came about. Uh, that was was a really nice um, opportunity that I almost uh, said no to because I was so keen on, on, on being there at Sandwich and, and giving all my everything to it that I almost said I'm not going anywhere and actually I was lucky because uh, my my one of my friend and peer artists uh, Ralka Popa was invited and she had the opportunity to just invite one more artist and she invited me so that was great because after all the applications for residencies that I didn't get all of a sudden I was just invited to one in Bern I didn't know anything about art in Switzerland or art spaces and it was great because it was one month so quite limited time but we knew this from the beginning and I think I did a lot of things there we, we did a little show in the botanical garden in the orangerie uh, it was just uh, a perfect break from from all this organizational thing that I was talking was, was that your first visit to Switzerland yes Yes, yes. And I had no kind of special interest in it. I, I was thinking, you know, it's it's where the money is and that's it. Um, but that was obviously an, an opening. And then Manifesta was here in the same year in Zurich, of course. And of course, we came to to visit it. And, you know, slowly I was thinking, wow, you know, it's so I could, yeah, I could be here <laughs> for longer. So. And why did your friend apply to this particular 
residency did she had she heard about it well she she was more involved in the let's say in uh, swiss uh, art scene because she had been in winter tour in the residency oh at Australia, the Australia, yes I think. that's and a then, beautiful residency yes so she had already been there and then she was invited to proger in the residency actually after that she went to geneva to the embassy of foreign artists again so and i i'm here so it, it just seemed like things are connecting us to switzerland all of a sudden so when you left after that month did you already no. have an idea that you would come back no no actually you know i thought oh you know you must be so lucky to be in, even in zurich because I, i was thinking i would come back to zurich of course um i was thinking uh, you know it must be so many people that want to to be there but uh, and i w i didn't have a focus on this because i d actually didn't mean to go somewhere else I felt again connected to building this art space at home, creating kind of a sense of community for me and for us and for the team. And just I was really dedicated there. Also, maybe it's important to say that around that time I got my studio also. Around the time we opened uh, Sandwich, I finally decided to make, make the effort and s uh, rent a, a space so I can do my work there. So when you have your own space, you, you also know you're connected to it. You really don't feel like going away. You want to, to make it nice there and to have your ideas happen. And it just feels so good. But so it's good that the residency happened now and not last year, for example, because now I felt that I am at a moment where I, you know, I feel good with what I built so far. I need a nice break also for myself. I need to discover what other people are doing. This year we started also going to Berlin, maybe every every three months, just to have a weekend there to visit things, get in contact with, with things. So now we are in the next kind of stage, you know. We already have something going on. It's not going on by itself, but it seems more, not easier, but more in the... Like the wheels are in motion. Yeah. And uh, me and my partners now feel like we can also go go out, spread a bit, and get to know what other people are doing, thinking, and showing. So, yes, so this residency happened because I had a good connection with Esther from the beginning. We spent such a great evening Uh, together when I was in Zurich, we were introduced by a common friend, and by uh, by, by Katrin Hug. I also I knew Katrin very little, and I was staying with her so I could visit. She brought Esther along because she knew she's an interesting person, and so we had a great night. And then I was alone with Esther for a few hours, going into there were some art events, of course, that she knew about and she wanted to see, and she brought me along, and I already met some people. In, in those few hours and it was just this great energy and then we kept in touch so when the moment was right she invited me in this program yeah good Now. thing you came yes yes I mean with this one I would have never said no so when she asked I said definitely I'm I mean for the whole three months and um, it's the right time to do this
it used to be more important where you're born into and I think now we have just so much more accessibility, mobility, and there's so much more exchange. Yes, and um, I don't feel at all anymore like, oh, there's some problem, I'm I'm from Romania, or I just, I'm so bored of this complaining all the time and feeling like, and because it's not there. I mean, Romanian artists have always been out there and there are all these people that we can you know in the past and also in contemporary ones that I uh, we can look up to and see that there isn't you know it's not like it doesn't take a miracle or anything to be active and to to travel and to to do things so um, I'm just so bored and I hate when I hear these uh, this kind of thoughts that oh yeah but if I were from there or it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And while you were here, that's also... A, it's also an indication of how it works today. While you were here, you had a show in Bucharest. I think it's still going on. Yes. At Nicodem Gallery. Yes. Which is... I mean, you you told me that. I... Mm-hmm. I didn't know. It's a, it's a gallery that is uh, in the very close vicinity to Sandwich Gallery, but that is very different in character. That is a commercial gallery. And you're showing a work there that is called Small Accidents Cafe. And it is a large installation of uh, very brightly colored objects slash furniture. And I would like to talk to you a little bit about it because they are looking at photographs of these objects. You are in the world of, let's say, industrial design, product design. But at the same time, you are avoiding all the concerns that an industrial designer has to respect, such as practical concerns, uh, cost. Uh, but then again, they seem very much... I mean, you at the same time, you, did, you do respect, for instance, the size of a human body that sits on a, a chair, a stool, by a table. So it looks impractical, but at the same time, perfectly practical as well. So what is your intention with these objects? And have you spoken to industrial designers when you conceived it? Actually, you you got it um, very well, uh, this idea that it seemed at first that is like a designer's work, but actually it defies all the rules, I guess, because, yeah, you sleep from them, or they're a bit cold, um, they're moving, it's it's impossible to hold your drink on them, and there is this freedom that I have as an artist to do just anything, but in the same time make it look like a designer's work. And then maybe you appreciate a bit more when you sit on a on a table that works, where your drink doesn't slip, 
or when a chair is a bit more more comfortable. So that's on, on, on one side. And another one is to have, again, this encounter between people who might uh, use these, uh, these tables or this moving bar in the same time, and they share a moment where things are maybe a bit awkward. It depends on how open they are. Maybe they just feel embarrassed if they fall or... <laughs> You're not really falling anyway. It's really small accidents, uh, but this this moment when maybe they just look at each other and 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 smile a bit, and maybe they continue to talk about it, or maybe they just that's it. It doesn't have to be you know like a real relationship, but just an encounter. Um, that's the 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 most important part for me when there's people on them and. I would like, of course, this cafe to get out of the gallery afterwards and to be maybe in a public space or on a terrace or on a real cafe. Who knows uh, if the owner is more open to this experiment? Is it weather resistant? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. It's it's. Uh, I think it mainly works outside. Um, but um, so the, this is the the most important part. But when you also look at these objects in the gallery, like this one, which is a definitely a white cube and a huge one they are these beautiful abstract objects this I discovered a bit later a bit afterwards I was so keen on on the people's uh, experience and this and I I thought this is too this is not important how they look af um, afterwards or before people are coming in but now I also find value in this and And then it, 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 they look like sculptures. So that's another thing I never, I never planned or, or expected to, to do sculptures. But if you see them like this, you know, these beautiful colored objects, you could say it's a sculpture. Show. Yeah. So no, that's they, they really, really new. Re it reminded me of the Les Folies uh, of Bernard Chumi mm -hmm. in the Parc de Villette in Paris. Mm -hmm. These structures that are kind of sculptures, kind of building structures, but then again, they're they're fully, they're just little mm -hmm. mad ideas, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and they are so playful and fun, and I think it's very liberating to explore them, to be able to to experience uh, an object without a preset notion of you know it's like. A stool and you just have to sit on it mm -hmm. and but no there's other objects where you can find your own way of uh, experiencing it yes and they have to remain simple uh, they still have to have humor Uh, I will probably keep colors and, you know, find different color codes for, for the things. But now I am sketching and drawing a lot and always see shapes. Even here in the city, shapes that I take uh, literally and transform into, into something else. And I always see smaller objects that I imagine how they would look you know, bigger And with a person standing on them or, or sitting them on them, and I think now it's really going, it's really expanding in my in my mind for the next things I want to do, 
And, so uh, do you make small-scale models of these objects? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. well, I, I try to also. And now another another um, kind of ambition is to know materials and know techniques and actually know who to talk to to for them to be created and for them to be made. That's why you should go check out in St. Yes. Colin the material archive the material at the Kunskiserei. Yes, Exactly, because now I know I don't have to make things on my, on my myself with my own hands, uh, but I want to make a little network and a little black book of who can help me do something in metal and in resin and uh, discover all these possibilities and not be afraid to make things bigger also. Um, actually, I have, I did, you know, bigger things, but not to have this um, this um, anxiousness about it anymore because it's just as easily controllable as a small thing. Yeah. Maybe and even easier. I mean, if you're planning on expanding to the public sphere, I mean, size is, is important. Mm -hmm. If something is not drawing the attention of the public, then it's maybe yeah. it doesn't serve its purpose. Yes, exactly. And I can do this exercise really soon, actually, because next week I'm going to Innsbruck to, uh, for just for two days to see the spaces there and come up with an idea for a public, a work for public space. So this is what I will have to come up with. Excellent. Until June. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll come But up is with it something. like a pitch yeah. or do they ask? They chose you? me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> But now I have to pitch the the idea so we mm -hmm. can you know uh, decide on it and of course it has to have some connection with the space there there you know there's different social implications depending on where we put it um, but this will be a nice start in the public space area so I want to come back to the residency Message Salon Embassy Zurich North your studio space is one room and it's two stories high, but it's one room, and there is a mobile structure inside of it that allows you to have a second, like a gallery floor. And last week, uh, you invited the public to attend an artist talk that uh, had you on, basically on the podium, alongside Marta Magnetti, who is a, a visual artist from Lugano. And you call this talk Altitude. And you, you said, I, I think I want to speak about how this room, that is a very, very special room, how this inspired you to do what you did in Zurich. I think it will inspire me also in the future, in the next things that I will do, because Every day I would go up uh, the ladder to, to this first floor, maybe just to take something and, and come back and just to, to change how I saw my works on the wall when I see them from above or when I see them from just frontal. Made me think and see them differently. And I also started to work downstairs at this big table and at kind of the middle of the time period I changed and I Uh, moved all my stuff upstairs and it really changed the way I uh, worked uh, not that I had maybe 
really different ideas, but maybe I was more concentrated and more more focused or focused in a, in a different way or on different things. And there's another change because the windows are high up. And when you're downstairs, you can only kind of try to glimpse a bit of the, you know, the sky. And actually you see a lot. So there are big windows. It's not like a cellar, but you can't look directly frontal. When you're up there, uh, you actually feel you're at the same level as the windows. And this, again, changes a lot because I need, I need light. I need this contact with the, with the outside. And another contact that I, I felt like I need to do, because also because of the position of the windows, is to put these letters and write these messages for the outside and another way yeah, to Just for the listeners, I'm just interrupting. You wrote, was passiert, wenn wir die Höhe ändern? Is that correct? Correct. Yes, and also come herein. Yes, <laughs> and come, come inside. So, just a question. Maybe nothing happens when you change the level. Maybe something very small happens, or not all the time. It's not only. Well, you know, be careful. You're in Switzerland here. This is the country of the hikers. Okay. Like people swarm out every <laughs> weekend to the mountains. So I would say. I mean, people would hear the Swiss, they would answer, yes, a lot happens a lot if you happens. change the altitude. Yes. <laughs> But that's just... A And I like the idea that I call it change in altitude when it's such a small difference, it's less than a floor maybe. But it's still considered technically a change in, in altitude. And maybe it's not only the way that you see things because you can look from above and you have a different angle in, in your sight, in your view, But maybe also how you feel knowing that underneath you is uh, is an empty space or knowing that uh, or making the effort to climb the stairs and when you get there you have this effort in you or the result of this effort. It's a um, very essential part even of art, to the change of perspective. And I think a lot of time that's exactly how visual art works. There is a change of perspective in terms of position. I mean, a lot of art plays with perspectives. And then there's the, the metaphorical change of perspective, of course, that will hopefully allow us to expand our horizon. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, I, I have all these ideas to, to include this in, in, in some works, just something that makes you really go on top something and I love this kind of these tall chairs for example in the tennis uh, mm -hmm. referee yes. or at the beach yes the beach guy and I, you know I think it's so cool how you can be Baywatch uh, bay, yes how <laughs> you know you're above all and you can see but maybe it can be a bigger place for more people or I don't know I'm always have this idea to see things a yeah. bit there's also above. these ah. chairs for hunters okay so they They're can also observe the, the animals Okay. And I don't think they're allowed to actually hunt from up there, mm -hmm. but it's 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 like the watchtower. Yes. Yeah. Well, there is a tower with a slide at the uh, Vitra Museum, which yeah. Uh, yeah, by the famous artist, and uh, obviously I I I tried it also down there. But and then we get to another idea of these slow slides. So I, I want to have a way also to go down from from going up as a slide, but It scares me, the speed of the normal slides. So that's another thing I want to find, the slowest slide possible. 
So going up on the stairs, but coming down on a really, really slow slope. And do you want to uh, work with the angle or do you want to work with the friction? With the angle. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining these this, uh, curves, but on a really slow. And then you have time to enjoy your change in level and your change in altitude a bit slower because a normal slide, you just go in yeah, three yeah. seconds, you're down there and your heart's like, like this in your neck and... Uh, I I just don't see the pleasure in that. Um, so you know, there's a lot to 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 work on that also. And what about speed? So are you afraid of speed as well, or is it yes. just the the connection of change of altitude and speed? Yes, I think it's also you? the speed that that I don't like because I like to take things slow, look around. Maybe you can have a conversation on the slides. You know, maybe we can be a completely different uh, experience. But and do you I, have a driver's license? Yes. So and but you're yes. a slow driver. Yes, I'm. You know, safe and and and, and slow. And I just don't find. I don't see the pleasure. <laughs> Maybe I'm, you know, just a boring, boring, uh, you know, not not exciting enough. But I think a lot of things that are slow and just pleasant can be really more interesting as an experience. So your stay in Zurich is almost finished and you're preparing the release of a zine that will be published uh, through Esther's Messer Salon Embassy Residency. Uh, I guess it's in production already, and I just spotted some pages, and I've seen beautiful drawings. A series of drawings. Would you like to speak about your process? Maybe there's a connection to the very early stages of your art education, when you started to have drawing classes, and how is your drawing practice? How is that a part of your everyday practice or not it is a very a very important part now um, and it's obviously a, a, a comeback to really the first lessons that I had in uh, in high school and for the admission in the design department but I, w I hated it then because there was a, a certain way to do things obviously there was I had to do them just right. There was no freedom in it because we had a clear objective to to do the exam. And after I did that, and after I did went into photography and video, I never touched uh, a pencil in that way anymore because I was again liberated from it. And then in 2012, I uh, was at the Salzburg Summer Academy in a really nice class of the artist Christoph Schaefer. He's a German artist and his class was called Drawing as Desiring Machine. And obviously it was very important to him and, and he showed us, he, he didn't show us actually anything. <laughs> he made these exercises and he was really casual and, and free and open about it. And then I discovered that you can sketch things that you would like to exist in the future. So you You, you make a drawing and it's already the first step to make something happen. Uh, and because I am not so good with uh, writing theoretically and, and I'm, you know, I'm not very um, conceptual, maybe I'm a lot more practical and pragmatic, then this became 
I discovered this as the best tool and the perfect tool to explain my ideas and not just to explain them but to, to make them happen. To envision and them. And to envision also. them mm -hmm. and to envision things and objects. But if I wouldn't have had these skills from the first lessons, I wouldn't be able to draw something in kind of perspective or as a volume or where the shade is and, and what the, the width or length is. Um, obviously now I feel no no restraint in making them perfectly or straight, but obviously it is a good skill that I learned a long time ago. And uh, in the last few years I also started to draw silhou the silhouettes and the shapes of people that would actually use the objects or the environments that I would create. And at first I see these people that I drew three years ago for a cafe setting, another cafe, and they are so um, weird. You know, you could tell that I wasn't really, they were not really natural and, uh, you know, they have these weird proportions or positions. But then I started to concentrate also a bit more on the people, that uh, on the drawings of people. And now they're also a thing on, on their own. Very simple, but I discovered that they can be very um, expressive. And uh, they are a tool to explain what I want to build, but also now I make these bigger drawings that I would just show as, as what they are, even if the actual thing is not constructed in the end, or who knows. But to also show them, show this part of what I imagine to to create in the future. Yeah. But I mean you, the figures are very stylized. Yes, and I I am also I think I'm not trained or or able to draw these people as as actual people. So I found my own way and it's a, another thing is that I don't want to spend too much time on them. Um I don't want it to become a thing and a skill. To develop it's just enough that I can explain how that person maybe feels or what is the position that they have in the in the swimming pool or in the bench that I want them to sit on and uh, I can kind of make a face that is a bit expressive and I think I have maybe three or four expressions that I can make with just a few points or lines and I think these are the tools that I need and I I can use now and it's it's enough so you know I'm not gonna go into drawing for drawing it's always drawing for uh, building let's say drawing for constructing some yeah. something else it's funny because I mean that's a you said it allows you to finish a drawing rather quickly and earlier we were talking about speed uh, and slowing down or so that's something you like to do fast yeah that's another thing that i i can never be in one of these kind of meticulous really slow for days for mm -hmm. weeks projects it's really not me and i have so much respect for people that can be devoted to some something like that but with me it has to go you know the the ideas have to go a bit a bit faster otherwise i can't say i get bored but i maybe i lose interest or uh, but the experience itself the experience that i want to create for the people and for me that is a you know a slower thing mm -hmm. well know. the allure of the figures uh, is 
to me at least, is that you set down the pencil once and then you don't you don't lift it up again. You just set it down once and then you complete the figure. That's kind of it. But I, I think of the position of the person first and uh, I kind of have it in my mind and of course maybe the first time doesn't work or it has a weird back or a big too big leg and you know I don't want to them to I don't want them to be too disproportioned mm -hmm. or I don't want them to be too awkward and and weird so then I, I uh, work again on a new on a new one but uh, it has to go fast if if it, if i go slow then the line is not yeah. beautiful and uh, i you can feel there's something wrong with it and of course i did this also so the, you know all these um, all these things i learned from and what's your favorite pen uh this black uh, felt uh, not felt but uh, black like uh, Ink zero pen? fine oh. zero mm -hmm. five mine like i think you know I the one that you do for technical drawing yes. i yes. think and then there is this big markers like this um, maybe two centimeters uh, square ones that you do these nice big lines and this is for for bigger mm -hmm. papers and but yeah obviously when all the time when you draw something with with black it just feels good and if i do something with a pencil with a graphite pencil it never works i just feel i don't feel it at all i don't feel the connect the connection with the paper maybe or you know i don't want it to be too metaphysical but i just don't enjoy it mm -hmm. so it has to be a, an ink or a color and obviously after that neon colors and the neon colors appear in the zine also and there's another thing about the zine that besides the drawings, there are some photographies. So now we come back, I came back after all this break from eight years to do some film photos, just snapshots, I would call them, of the places around here, some industrial environment in early con, uh, train tracks, things, cranes, things like that. And they are also in the zine together with drawings. I think it's a good contrast. And for me, it's an amazing rediscovery to, to, to see that actually I'm able to take photos on a, on a film camera again, which is not automatic. And so I still have something there in me from all those years. What is it called? Brain fog, for or against. And it's... A and mix for, of things. And for the listeners, if they are interested in seeing that scene or getting it or buying it, how do they go about? So there's a lunch on Friday on the on the thirteenth from five in Earlycon in our studio, and then after that they would contact Esther to get to the scene. Excellent. And also, a last thing: Do you want to say your web address your website it's danielapalimario.ro from romania and the website of sandwich where you can see everything we did so far is sandwichgallery.ro check it out check it out <laughs> <laughs> yes so thank you so much for taking the time and coming here for being it, so open it was a pleasure to thank go over you. these things <laughs>